we talk a lot about communication at Mighty Parenting. Our experts, myself, the communications, email series that we share with you. And one of the keys to communicating well with our teens is to not be stressed. Because when we're stressed, we knee jerk, we jump in, we say things that we don't mean to say. And as I'm talking to parents, you guys are telling me that you don't have time for stress relief. So I've created a complimentary lesson for you that requires no time. Yes, you will have to listen to the audio, so it's going to take you a few minutes to do that. But the strategies I share with you don't require you to spend any more time on them. So pop over to sandyfowler.com forward slash no time and learn how you can start relieving your stress and feeling better today. Welcome to Mighty Parenting, the podcast with real, raw, and relevant talk about raising teens and parenting young adults. Welcome to Mighty Parenting, a community where we help you raise teens and parent 20-somethings so they can become happy, successful, and emotionally healthy adults. I'm Sandy Fowler. I'm a stress relief coach for women and especially for moms, and I host the Mighty Parenting podcast. And a quick reminder to pop on over to mightyparenting.com and grab the free email series that I have for you, giving you tips on how to talk to your teens so you can build connection. So... Kids, careers, college admissions, college graduations, these are big concerns I hear about from parents. Parents are stressed, they're worried, they're arguing with their teens about getting applications done, they're frustrated with their college students who keep changing majors or haven't declared a major. But what's the real truth about getting a job and building a career? Well, Devin Turcott is joining us today to shed light on this situation for us. Devin is a career developmental professional, and she has expertise in Gen Z and younger millennials. So she is out there in the trenches, and she is ready to show us a path for our kids. Devin, welcome to Mighty Parenting. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. So Devin, you know, we talk about anxiety here on Mighty Parenting, and I hear a lot about our anxious kids. And a lot of our team's anxiety comes from deciding, what do I want to do with my life? What's my major going to be? What kind of job am I going to have? What career am I going to have? Is all this really warranted? Like, do they need to be making such huge decisions about their future, truly making them in high school? Um, I think the simple answer is no, (laughs) but it comes with a caveat. Um, The thing about careers is there's so much variability. Um, One of my favorite, favorite theories in career development, and I'm sorry, I'm going to get super nerdy here, is chaos theory of careers. Um, And the whole idea of chaos theory is that at some point, your career can and will be impacted by something beyond your control. We've all been living this in the COVID-19 pandemic. We've all seen versions of it. People have been laid off or they've shifted their work at home or they've been in and out of work or whatever, all because of the pandemic. These are things you can't predict. So very, very often I find we have this pressure on our kids in high school to make these decisions. And there's too many unpredictable factors. Obviously there are some things you can control and there are some things you wanna focus on but stressing over what you're going to be doing 10, 20, 30 years in the future 
it's, it's too far out to be able to control every single aspect of what's going to happen. So um, yeah, so I would say the level of stress that most high school kids carry when it comes to career planning and education is much, much higher than it needs to be. Well, Devin, you took me right back to college because first of all, by education, I'm a math major. So chaos theory is- <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> I know. <laughs> mm-hmm. The other thing that happened to me is in college, my sophomore year, I took the first class in my major and went, I don't want to do this. It would make no sense for me to do this. And I spent I don't even know now if it was weeks or months, I remember the anxiety around what do I want to do? What do I want to be? And I was at a college that had limited choices. So, you know, do I need to transfer? Where should I go? And it was all this craziness. And I kept talking to my friends. I talked to my mom and my dad finally got on the phone one day. He just went, pick a major, any major, just get a degree, just get one. You're going to change your mind anyway later. Mm-hmm. And well, I mean, I get that's not entirely true. And there are certain careers that, yes, you absolutely must learn the details in college of what you need. If you're going to be an engineer, you're going to have to have most likely, depending on what you're doing. But if you're going to be a structural engineer, you really have to know physics and you have to know metallurgy and you have to know what's going to happen there. If you're going to be a doctor, you need to go to medical school. However, for the vast majority of jobs out there, I really feel like my dad was right that. And, and I said, I'm a math major. I am not using that degree, technically using that degree at all right now. Yeah, that's great. And the, kudos to your dad. That's great dad advice, <laughs> you know, because it is so true. Dad was just at the end of his rope and tired. He's of- like, I'm done. <laughs> just do something. Um, I, uh, yeah, I was at a networking event back when we could still do networking events. And um, I remember chatting with somebody uh, who had done his undergrad in physics So he had a degree in physics and his current career is running a web and digital marketing company. Mm -hmm. Those two have nothing to do with each other, right? Um, You know, and then a few of us got in on this conversation about how we don't use our undergraduate degrees, not the way we expected to. Um, The the point really is to be educated and to learn about the world, whether it um, relates specifically to what you're doing is a little less relevant. Well, and that's true. So you heard me say in there, technically my degree doesn't have anything to do with what I'm doing. And yet it does because spending all that time doing the math and high level mathematics isn't what people think of. It's all proofs. So it taught me how to think. And then of course there are the other college experiences. There there was a lot of value there and there was a lot that made me who I am. There was a lot about learning how to learn as well as creating those neural pathways and things. However, it doesn't mean that I couldn't have done something else initially and still ended up where I am or maybe ended up doing something else, but that's okay. Either way, it was the point that I had a degree and I chose to do something else. My husband had a degree. He has now chosen to do something else. And how many people do we all know who did that? So what I'm hearing you say in a nutshell, all that conversation is that our kids don't need to have the answer to what they want to be for the rest of their life when they're in high school. I would agree with that wholeheartedly. Yes. So what do they need in high school? What do Um, they need to know and do at that point? Yeah, it's tricky. I find a lot of uh, parents who come to me and ask me to work with their kids 
usually the phrase I hear is they have no idea what they want to do. Um, and that's, you know, that's a tricky thing for a lot of kids to try to figure out, well, how do I narrow it down? Especially if they're, you know, generally a decent student, you know, they like to do a few different things and nothing's really popping out at them. Um, usually what I suggest is things like get some hands-on experience, whatever that means. It might be a part-time job, a summer job, volunteering, job shadowing, something that introduces them to different types of workplaces and gives them a sense of what they would need in terms of transferable skills. What do they see across different workplaces that are being used all over the place? And then to kind of relate that back to their own experience. What am I good at? What, what role do I play when I'm in group projects? That sort of thing. Another thing I think is- uh, Devin, um, I want to interrupt you for a minute. Sure. Because conceptually, I agree with you. Get some hands-on experience. But I want to know a little bit more about what you mean by that specifically. Are you talking about just get a job, kind of a quote unquote typical teenage job, which tends to be, you know, fast food, mowing lawns, things like that? Or are you talking about um, maybe a little bit more of a professional experience? And then how would they do that? How do you get that experience? Um, I would say if you really have no idea, anything is a good place to start, whether it is working in fast food or it is you know, doing something closer to home in the neighborhood, if you have the option, you know, if your high school offers co-op placements or something like that, unless you try something more professional, that's always a great idea. Um, and sometimes something as simple as job shadowing. So whoever you start with might be a parent or guardian, it might be a neighbor, it might be an extended family member, but you basically, you know, go with them to work someday and just kind of hang out and see what they do. And how does that workplace function. Um, so it really can be, I would say, depending on where the student is starting, anything is going to be helpful to start to narrow it down. Very often the analogy I use is you're looking at this big blank canvas and you're trying to figure out where to put the lines and where to put the boundaries. And a lot of people have no idea. So some kind of introduction to the workplace is a good way to start helping you put down those fences and make some definition around the spaces on that canvas. Okay, so they would be learning about specific industries, but they're also just learning things like if you're, say you're working fast food, I love a fast pace. I don't deal well with a fast pace. I love interacting directly with customers. I don't love interacting directly with customers. Right. Yeah. And that stuff's really helpful to start narrowing things down. Okay. Turns out I don't like the idea of having a big long lineup that I have to deal with. What do I need to be mindful of in terms of future careers, right? Do I want to, um, do I then want to be working in an area where it is high pressure and there's a lot of visibility on me? Maybe not. And that starts to carve out, okay, there are certain things that I'm definitely not going to want to be doing then. So they can learn about what they want, but they're also going to learn about what they don't want, which can be just as informative. Yes, absolutely. Okay. All right. Sorry for the interruption. No worries. <laughs> Okay, so one was get some hands-on experience. Yes. Um, another simple thing I often suggest to people is take stock of your favorite classes or your favorite activities, um, anything you do in or outside of class. And stepping away from you're good at math, so you could, should be an accountant kind of thinking, something like what skills do you use in order to be successful in those classes or those activities, right? You want to get a little bit more um, specific. So let's, for example, take something like dance. Say you've been in dance, you've done some competitions, you've you know been in some performances. To become a professional dancer, 
quite challenging to do and to make a good living at it. Um, but what other skills do you take out of that, right? So you want to think about things like teamwork, memorization, discipline, even like the physical fitness component to it, being able to physically do the work um, and perform the dances, being good under pressure, being able to perform in front of other people. And once you have a sense of what skills are you using to be successful, then do a basic search, hop on Google and do a, what kinds of jobs require me to be good at being in front of people? What kinds of jobs require me to be, to have good, you know, physical acuity, that kind of stuff. And again, that might start to narrow down and, and put some fences down and create some, some definition. I love that idea because it goes so far beyond what honestly, we typically tell our kids and what other people tell our kids, which is like you said, oh, if you're good at math and science, oh, go be an engineer or go be an accountant. Or, and it cracks me up because accounting, yes, there's math, but it's not really about math as so much as it's about other things. And, and that's what you're saying to us here is find out what those things are that you're good at and then look at what jobs take that. Paired with the fact that most kids and, and even many adults, we only know about a, a small number of jobs. I mean, kids know about a very small number of jobs, pretty much the people they encounter on a day-to-day -day basis, like the, the clerks at stores or their doctor or dentist or their coach, their teachers, they know those jobs and they know the jobs that their, their parents or close family or family members or friends have. Yes, exactly. Yeah. There are millions of jobs out there that mm -hmm. they don't necessarily know. So yeah, um, that's exactly it, right? Trying to find sort of those nuances, those little pieces in between of like, okay, so uh, rather than, and I, I love your assessment of accounting is not really just math, but <laughs> there's, um, <laughs> right? Rather than trying to draw straight lines, try to draw bubbles. How do the, what fits inside the bubbles when you're, when you're good at this particular activity or that particular type of skill? Now you also had said, and I love this. I said, you're a woman after my own heart. <laughs> You said, follow your passion is terrible career advice for our kids. It really Why is, is that. Um, I would say generally uh, it's just too simplistic to be good career advice. Um, first off, what if they don't have a passion? And we've kind of touched on that, right? I certainly get it a lot because by the time someone comes to me, it's, oh my gosh, we have no idea what to do. When you tell somebody who isn't sure what to do for a living, just follow your passion or just do the thing that you love, they end up feeling like a weirdo because it seems like everybody else has a passion and they don't. Um, and that just that's just not constructive to helping them do any real, real exploration. Um, the other things you have to think of is what if their passion doesn't pay, right? Anything in sports, anything in the arts, um, very, very challenging to make a solid, sustainable living from that kind of work. So that's, you know, you have to be mindful of that. The other thing I think it does is set up unrealistic expectations of what work is really about, you know, that there's something lesser in working for the pay or taking a job because it has benefits. Somehow there's, there's something missing from that. Um, or that every single day at work is going to be this wonderful, amazing, you're always going to feel fulfilled and never be stressed out ever. I mean, none of that is realistic. And I think just narrowing it down to a follow your passion takes away those little nuances in decision-making in careers and, and jobs. And I also think that for some people it can ruin their passion. 
Mm-hmm. Just because they love something doesn't mean that doing it in a professional environment or a work environment will allow them to continue to love it. Maybe they love photography because they like to wander around, take pictures of whatever suits them. But to work and put food on the table as a photographer might mean that you're taking family portraits all the time, or you are working for someone else who's just telling you, this is what you're going to take pictures of. Yeah, absolutely. And I've, you know, the number of times I've talked to people who say, I used to really love writing and then I went to journalism school and now I don't like writing anymore. <laughs> like that's, that's, uh, that's a really unfortunate end to that story. Right. So yeah, that's absolutely something to consider, right. Once something's paying, once someone is paying you to do something, the parameters shift. Absolutely. Yeah. So a lot of, all right. A lot of the advice that our kids are getting, a lot of the pressure they're getting in high school revolves around going to college getting into your dream college, getting into the college of your choice. Is that even something they need to worry about? I would say, again, probably not as much as they do worry about it. Um, In our economy, some kind of post-secondary education is going to be necessary. Now, whether that's a PhD or an apprenticeship for a trade um, is totally up to the individual. But Um, particularly in, I'd say that maybe the past 10 to 15 years, we've seen a greater emphasis on ongoing professional development for working professionals in almost every field out there. Um, During the big economic downturn in 2008, 2009, where a lot of employers cut budgets was in training and development in-house. And at the same time, employers are using so many different kinds of resources to hire. It's not just, you know, post a job in the newspaper and wait for the resumes to pour in. They're going to a website like LinkedIn and they're searching specifically for people who have the skills, the training and the experience they need. They aren't necessarily looking at, well, what college did you go to and which degree did you graduate with? They're going, you know, do you have a project management certification? Because the person I need has to have a project management certification. And so, It's been interesting to watch this evolve because really where maybe a generation or so ago, where you got that undergraduate degree or where you did your initial studies was huge. And not to say it still doesn't have an impact. Now it's more a situation where it forms this foundation that you're going to have to keep building on for the remainder of your career. So absolutely, you want to be mindful of where you're applying. You want to ensure that you're getting a quality education, but where you go, is that going to torpedo all your future opportunities? If you pick the wrong place, I, I would highly doubt that. And we've heard that before from guests that what happens for our kids at college is more about who they are and how they utilize everything available to them than it is about where they're going to college. Because mm-hmm. I can go to an, say I go to an elite school, but I don't do anything when I'm there, that has less opportunity for me than going to the, the state school that is, you know, right around the corner from my house and really talking to my professors, getting involved in projects, showing uh, leadership in 
in the context that we talk about leadership here at Mighty Parenting, you know, showing leadership there, finding that passion. What am I passionate about? Doing something about that. Those things are going to impact our kids and, and launch them much more than just the name of a school. Absolutely. There was, um, I think it's an Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. It's one of his books, but I believe it's Outliers where he talks about something happens when you get accepted to an Ivy League school where, you know, in your high school, perhaps you were the cream of the crop, but now when you're at a Harvard or a Yale or a Brown, you are no longer, you're in with everybody else who is the cream of the crop. And so your tendency to want to look like you don't know something drops. Your tendency to be able to learn becomes incapacitated to an extent because now all of a sudden there's all these like smart and amazing people around you and you feel intimidated. And so often what you see is students get into those schools, which is amazing and quite an accomplishment. But then once they're there, they feel a little bit frozen with the ability to fully take advantage of being at that particular institution. Yeah, he had a video that he that's posted, I believe it was actually uh, like a Google conference or something. And he looked at what happened to people out in the work world and compared um, students who went into college with similar GPAs and things like that and what happened to them when they went to a state school versus an elite school. And essentially what happened was you were better off being having the same GPA and whatnot going in, you were better off being at your state school than in getting, in getting A's and things than being at the elite school and getting B's or C's as far as what actually happened to people in the professional world. And I don't know if I said that very well, but I will put a link in the show notes so people can watch <laughs> the video themselves because it was just interesting to me. I know I was raised with a, a lot of the idea of, well, if you go to an elite school, that name helps you no matter what. It just like that was the culture mm-hmm. in America at the time that I was growing up. And I saw a couple of examples of that when I was working in corporate. And I don't see that so much anymore. So I feel like it's more about finding that right fit. And you mentioned something really, I think is important. You said secondary education, which isn't necessarily college in that there are, well, and and I say college because we tend to think of college as the four-year experience, right? Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of great community college programs, which might be a two-year program, but might also be, as you mentioned, there are certificates and other things that you can get. And and there are other things our kids can do too. Like they could for, and and this may not be exactly the right example because it's not my area of expertise, but I know that we have like tool and die companies in our area and kids will go straight out of high school and they are trained at the company and they are paid while they're being trained. So instead of spending money on college, they're getting paid, getting training and getting some of that hands-on experience. They may stay there, they may not. So what have you found for people? I, I hadn't even thought of this idea really until we were talking about right now. What about our kids who don't know what they want to do, trying some things like that, going out and getting a post high school job where they're getting trained in the job and getting some kind of experience to get some hands-on work and find out what they like. 
I think that's a fantastic idea. Um, if nothing else, the skilled trades are an area where employment is almost guaranteed unless you're like really, really terrible at what you do. Um, it's one of those few areas where it's pretty hard to not find work. Um, and it's something that no matter what, you have it forever. You know, I look at my, uh, my husband's family. He is university educated software developer kind of person, but his brothers are both tradesmen. And he will very often kind of lament the fact that he's not very handy, right? I mean, no matter what, you will always be able to fix things around your house or for family and friends or, right? Those are skills that are usable everywhere. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's a great idea as a search, as a way to find out more about yourself, as a way to get into a career that may have a really incredible future ahead of it. Um, and remembering that if you are willing to commit to lifelong learning, whatever you do right out of high school is probably not going to be the last kick at the can for education, right? You're going to be doing other things at some point as well. Yes, this reminded me of a story. We homeschooled our kids for a while and there was a family where the daughter had, was going to be finishing high school at 16. And nobody really wanted to send a 16 year old off to a four-year university. And she also at that point went, I don't really know what I wanna do. So she went to community college and it was in a year or less earned a certificate in something in the medical assistant field like radiology or something along those lines. And so she went and she worked in that for a few years and earned enough money, she figured out what she really wanted to do. And she had already earned all the money to pay for college in full before mm -hmm. she went. And so she still did what she wanted to do. But what you said, she got that extra experience along the way. Some extra maturity probably didn't hurt either, right? Right. You have better personal management then, right? Like time management is a massive part of succeeding in post-secondary education. So to be able to go in a little bit older, having some professional experience under her belt, like I, she was probably more set up for success than anybody else going into first year of that program. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. as you're working, you work a lot with uh, Gen Z, younger millennials. Mm -hmm. What are you seeing in them as, they're, as they've gotten out into the workforce and start working? What's happening there? Um, you know, it's funny because I think it was uh, really when the millennial generation first started getting into uh, the work world. So we're talking what, 15, 16 years ago or so now, um, we started hearing this phrase quarter life crisis. Uh, and I don't know if you remember this, but it was the millennials were really the first generation to leave home, but then return. <laughs> Nobody had really done that before. Once you were out, you were out, you did your own thing. Um, but what was, what's really interesting to me is when I look back at that sort of historically, they were shifting into economy, an economy that was very much a knowledge-based economy as opposed to a manufacturing base, which is what we had before. And so for a lot of millennials, and I'm going to say it the Canadian way because that's my jam, <laughs> Gen Zs, um, there is this expectation that they will need to have post-secondary, whatever that looks like. They can't just get through with high school. They're going to have to do something, but we haven't necessarily put the structures in place while they're in high school or even in their early 20s to teach them quality career research, right? What are these careers actually about? When you study at this institution, when you take this program, how is that actually going to manifest in the wider world? And so for quite a while now, um, I mean, I saw it from people who came up behind me in school and I see it now in the people I work with, they pick something 
which is great. And they, you know, they might do really well. They might really enjoy it. And then maybe three or four years into their careers, you get quite a few who say, I, I don't, this isn't quite what I thought it was going to be. I don't know if I want to keep doing this. And the only point of reference they have is you go to school to get trained for whatever. And so they'll think like, I have to go back and start over. I have to do a whole new degree. I have to um, go get a master's if I haven't done that or whatever it is. And so this is something that's been going on for quite some time where we're not really having good conversations about careers when they're younger. And then by maybe late twenties, early thirties, it's all right, I want to start over, but I'm not really sure how, how, and actually starting over sounds like a really, really onerous thing to do. So what is a good quality conversation around careers? Um, you know, I, I find that a lot of students, well, a lot of students don't do a lot of research at all, but even the ones that do, they don't necessarily do as much as they think they are. So when they maybe choose a career direction to go and they start exploring their options for college or whatever it is they need to do, um, they'll look through, you know, the campus website, they'll go on a campus tour, they'll maybe go to a college fair, um, they'll follow social media, they'll get different ideas and that sort of thing. And what they don't recognize is that the information they're getting from all these different places is actually all coming from the same source, which is the institution itself. So very often I will encourage students in high school, get out and do some informational interviews. Find people who work in careers that sound interesting. And you can do this through LinkedIn, especially if you have a parent who has a LinkedIn account, that's usually a easier way to search than when you're just starting out yourself. But find people who are doing stuff that sounds interesting, ask them for 15 minutes and you can ask two or three questions about, you know, what is your day really like here? What is something that you do on a regular basis in your work that maybe would surprise people? If you were going to make a career move, what would you be looking for? What is the number one thing that is important to you in a job? You can ask whatever. I mean, I have, I can come up with questions for days, but um, that's a really good place to start um, just to find out what has someone's experience been in that career? I love that. I love that. And I think it helps us break down barriers too. Mm -hmm. You know, 15 minutes, you can talk to anybody. And so maybe talk to people who are in careers that, not that don't fit you, but that you said maybe no to, but you realize why, why am I saying no? What do I even know about this? Mm -hmm. I, I think our kids are probably, sh they're, they're shutting down around things just because they don't know what the job actually is. Right. Okay, so we want to do quality career research. One of the ways to do that is to do informational interviews with people. Mm -hmm. Another thing I heard you say was look for information outside of college institutions. Mm -hmm. Do you have more tips for doing quality career research? Um, one of my favorites is, um, again, I'm going to refer to LinkedIn. And uh, the reason I love LinkedIn is because uh, people put a bunch of information about themselves available publicly. Um, and so you can find out things that you would not find out in other places. So if there's a school you're considering and a particular program, you can look up that institution on LinkedIn and there will be a button that says see alumni. And you can actually search for alumni who have graduated from whatever program you're looking at, let's say it's psychology. 
and then it'll sort those people for you. You go in and you can actually see what's that person's career path been since they graduated from psychology. Did they go on to do additional education? Are they working in a related field? Did they pick up additional certifications? Because from that person's perspective, right, they often put a lot of these things on there because they want to look employable. They want to look like thought leaders. They want to be, um, be considered to have some clout in their industry. And so they're bragging a little bit. So go check out their brag book on LinkedIn and see what is it that they're, they've been doing. And I find that's a really, gives you a more realistic picture of how careers can move and change. Because a lot of times people end up exactly what we talked about at the beginning in a totally different place than you would have thought they did. So that's really interesting. So you said if you go to LinkedIn, you go to the institutions page. Yes. You can just look up alumni. Are you able to filter that? Yes. Yep. You can filter on organizations they work for. You can filter on programs they took. You can filter on geographically where they're located. Um, So, and I mean, it's such handy information and it'll basically, it's pulling from everybody who on their individual profile has said, I graduated from this institution. Yeah, that's a really interesting idea and not not necessarily even just for an institution that our child's thinking of, but just going on to various institutions and pulling from a program that mm-hmm. our kids might want to do. If they, you know, like you said, if they want to, if they think they might want to be a psychologist or an engineer or a social worker or whatever to get a more of a real world example of what that might look like. And those might also be people they can reach out to. to ask for 15 minutes, either they say yes, or they say no. And there's another real world skill they'll learn along the way. Right. Right. And I know we had um, Terry M. Iverson on the show. He talked about careers in manufacturing, which is an area that is completely misunderstood. I didn't understand it. (laughs) Even though I grew up in, I grew up in an auto industry family. I worked in the auto industry when I first graduated from college And yet I did not really understand the world of small manufacturing companies and all the different jobs and careers that are available with and without college degrees. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So that would be another place, I guess, is you could look up some of those companies and see, well, what are people doing at a particular company and where did, what kind of degrees do they have and where did they go? You can kind of reverse engineer that one too. Yeah, exactly. Very interesting. All right. So we have a teen who want, you know, we talked about this idea of kids who don't know what they want to do. What advice do you have for parents of teens who are choosing a path and the parents are uncomfortable with it? (laughs) Oh yeah, that's always good. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, I would say it kind of depends on the path that they're choosing, um, and why they're choosing. So I've certainly seen this where, um, parents will come to me and say, oh, my kid wants to work in the music industry. I don't really know if that's going to fly. Um, and I find you need to kind of break into what does that actually mean? Right. If they want to be a musician, then again, they need to get that real world experience. So I, I mean, I would guess if you want to be a musician, you may have taken lessons at some point, or maybe you're in band in high school or something like that. You need to talk to musicians and find out what it's like day to day. How do they get paid? How much do they get paid? Are they making an actual living or is it something they're doing on the side of something else? Um, 
the other thing you can do as a parent, I mean, take your kids to the local pub on a Friday night when there's a band playing, you know, when we're back to being allowed to do that. And, you know, when they take a break, ask them in a break in their set, hey, can I, can I ask you a couple of questions? I mean, maybe they'll say yes, maybe they'll say no. It's, uh, it's just like anything else, but you really want a sense of what does that actually look like? Um, information is absolutely power. And I find often when parents are not comfortable with what their kids are choosing, and it might be something like music, it might be something like the kid wants to trade and the parent says, mm, I really think you need to go to college. It really comes down to um, what information are they missing that makes them feel that hesitation. Now, it's a different story if it's, you know, your kid says, I want to be a doctor and you're thinking, dude, you're barely passing science. I'm not really sure how you think you're going to pull that off. That's a whole other, right? Then that's a bit more of a reality check of when you say you want to be a doctor, what appeals to you about that? Why would you want to pursue that? Because maybe your, your, you know, your biology grades are terrible. You hated dissecting a frog or a worm or whatever it was you had to do. How do you think you're going to handle, you know, seeing blood or diagnosing issues with people? And what you may find is that what your child actually wants is to be in some sort of profession where they help people feel better, right? So maybe not a doctor, but maybe like a physiotherapist or a massage therapist, or even maybe something like, you know, working in the mental health field. So a lot of times you kind of have to break into, all right, we're, we're working with different sets of information here. Who's got what information and let's get ourselves on the same plane. So it actually sounds like similar conversations actually to what we have when our kid doesn't know what they want to do. It's mm -hmm. opening up conversation. So the point is not going and saying that's ridiculous or you can't do that or you'll never make a living at that. It's opening up conversation and saying what what appeals to you about that? What do you think life looks like when you work that career? And how do you know that? You know, have you talked to some people? Who could you talk to? And to open that up, it's very similar to when they don't know. Right. And you're going to, with that kind of approach, you're going to avoid the sort of headbutting, well, you can't tell me what to do. I'm almost a grown up kind of approach to it. Um, and you're also, I mean, at the end of the day, your kid has to live their own life. So you're guiding them, but you're also putting that accountability on them to say, if this is what you want to do, you have to understand what you're getting into. So it's a, it's a gentler way to do it, but it also, you know, hopefully everybody learns something out of that. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's, it is, it's conversations thinking, and it can be a matter too of parents doing research. Mm -hmm. I, I think that sometimes we just don't know. And our research can start with them. Like you mentioned music. And I know many musicians who are making a living doing that. Mm -hmm. One of the things I've noticed though, is that in our area, and we're in a small town, unless they are a music instructor through a college or a high school, they are working multiple jobs, essentially. Mm -hmm. They might be teaching, they're playing in an orchestra or a band or something, like they're doing different things to create that living. Or some of them are working as a musician, but then they also have another part-time job or something. And that, you know, like you said, our kids are going to live their own life. 
but for us as parents, we can start out with, well, that I need to understand because I don't know what this means. I have no idea how you make a living being an artist or a musician or even things that require college degrees. That's the same question. How will you use that? How will you make a living with this when you're done? Because the degree isn't an end-all be-all or a guarantee of a job. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so it forces the kid to do the research. The parent gets more information. It's, uh, it's a good way to approach it. That's what I find. Yeah. Okay. What else? You know, there's the old saying, you don't know what you don't know. That's right. <laughs> what else don't we know about careers and, you know, careers and jobs for our kids in from putting pressure on to actually picking one, finding one? Are there any other pieces that we need to be aware of? Hmm. That's a really good question. The only other thing that comes to mind is maybe how education interacts with other types of education. Um, Something we've seen a lot more of in recent years is different institutions forming pathway agreements between one another. And that might be a community college to a university. It might be between two separate colleges. Um, so I always like to give people the option of, you know, yes, maybe ultimately you need to pursue university, but is there a different way to get there? Especially if you're worried about finances, um, and how expensive some of these things can be, um, you know, you may be able to start in a community college environment and take more time to save up a bit of money before you have to pay the bigger tuition bill. Um, so finding out alternatives to get to where you want to go is always helpful. Um, because just like anything else, once you get in there and you start trying it, you may find out that the reality is very different, either in a good way or in a not so good way. Um, and if you've spent less money and less time to find that out, that's always a good thing. Get you a little further ahead. And that reminds me of college co-op programs, mm-hmm. which is uh, guaranteed hands-on. So you are finding out before you finish your four-year degree, if this is work that you enjoy, internships, as well as, as you said, you know, some of the certifications, um, working, working up from the community college level. And I know I had spoken to one gentleman who chose uh, like a two plus two program, two years at the community college that would lead to two years at a four-year college. Mm-hmm. And something he'd said he just didn't realize, he thought when he finished the two years at the community college that he would have an associate's degree. But on that path, you did not actually have a degree, which in the short term ended up being difficult for him because he wasn't able to go to the four-year university at the time he thought he was going to. And having had the associate's degree would have been helpful for him. So again, it's it goes back to this education piece. And um, what are what are your tips for where we can find out about these different kinds of programs? Um, it's definitely something you'll find on a lot of college and community college websites. Um, I would say particularly the community colleges, they will certainly, you know what, both sides, I won't even say particularly. So from the community college side, they will say, you know, here's what you can do with your education with us. Here are some options. And even from the college side, it's interesting because um, our birth rate has been falling 
in North America since the 1980s. And so a lot of schools are finding it more challenging to, um, to try to pull from a pool of essentially fewer high school students than what they would have seen maybe 20 years ago. And so for a lot of them, they're forced to get creative about their admissions and about how they let people in. So you may actually find a section on their website that says transfer agreements or prospective students. And then it's about, you know, transfer students. What does that look like? I've noticed many more schools are more prominently talking about that stuff. And it's, it's, it sounds terrible, but I mean, it's almost like a marketing technique for them to say like, Hey, you don't just have to be in high school to come here. Uh, we, we take other people too. come on in. Um, and so that works in both ways. So that's a good place to start. Um, certainly you can check with your guidance counselor at school and see if they know about those kinds of things, if that's something they can look into. Um, and then the other thing I would say is check with, um, board of education or somebody who's like sort of a governmental body. Um, if they have some kind of oversight on some of this stuff, they will also have information available on it on their website. Well, thank you, Devin, for sharing all of this with us today and just getting us thinking a little bit differently about our kids and their career choices and subsequently their education choices as well. Where can people find you online if they want to continue or learn more from you? So my, uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, my company is called Careerified and you can find me on Instagram and Facebook, as well as at careerified.ca. And we, of course, will have a link to your website in the show notes. So thanks again for joining us, Devin. Thank you so much for having me. It was a blast. And Mighty Parents, thank you for being here. And remember, these might be difficult conversations, or it could be interesting, it could be frustrating, whatever. But if you're here, you're listening, you're doing this, you are a Mighty Parent, you got this. And I will see you next week.